You're listening to Green Mountain Medicine, an original podcast series by ACP Vermont for all things internal medicine. I'm Matt. I'm Dylan. And we're your hosts on tonight's show. This series aims to unpack the complexity of medicine in a nuanced and evidence-based way. And if that sounds like something you would enjoy, then we are happy you could join us. For the next half hour, we invite you to relax, grab some coffee, and engage with us as we deconstruct the topics that impact our field and characterize our practice. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 5 of Green Mountain Medicine. We're here with Dr. Jan Carney, uh, who is a former governor of the uh, ACP Vermont chapter and currently serves as the chair of our Health and Public Policy Committee for the chapter. Um, while she was governor, she actually served to uh, ACP Nationals as um, chairing the Health and Public Policy Committee, as well as the Patient Partnership in Healthcare Advisory Board. She trained at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine for medical school, did her residency plus a chief year here at good old University of Vermont, and also earned her master's in public health from the Harvard School of Public Health. And she is dual board certified in both internal medicine and preventative medicine and public health. Dr. Carney, thanks for being here with us. Thank you for inviting me. So the theme of today's episode is going to be on advocacy. And Dr. Carney is probably the largest champion of advocacy that we know uh, in our Vermont medical community. So we thought she'd have really great perspectives to share with us um, about advocacy going on in Vermont and opportunities for everyone to get involved. So we thought we'd start by asking, um, Dr. Carney, what does advocacy mean to you in the context of medicine? And why is it important? In my opinion, advocacy is about advocating in some way publicly, both to improve the health of individual patients and sometimes entire populations. Um, Why is that important? I think you have to step back and look at some of our demographics. We're getting older as a society, and people are getting older are more likely to have chronic conditions, as an example. We're also becoming more diverse as a population, and we know that we have a lot of disparities in health outcomes among our different populations, and that we really need to make a lot more improvement. Uh, That might be in education or in the area of income and employment or some of the social factors that we've seen are changing. We also have a lot of health issues that some of them come and go, and some of them unfortunately come back. Our Mm -hmm. opioid epidemic has been huge. And all these issues at the population level intersect directly with the clinical practice of medicine. So when we advocate and we see an individual patient with a problem, there may be something that we can do in addition to everything you can do for that individual patient to look at the larger picture Mm -hmm. and look at where's the leverage points to make that better for more patients just like the one sitting in front of you. So that's why I think it's important. Great. That's an incredible story. Um, You know, it's gotten me really thinking, and I think a lot of students have um, are kind of in a similar state of mind, we kind of wonder, Dr. Carney, how did you get involved in advocacy in the first place? Not almost by accident. I was, um, I finished my internal medicine residency and I was seeing patients and somewhere along the line I went to a conference that had something about public health and I learned that there was a science and practice, evidence-based, for, for population level improvements. I didn't know that before. So many of the things I took care of, the unfortunate effects from um, a long life of heavy tobacco use, Mm -hmm. lung cancer, 
or premature heart disease or diabetes or consequences of alcohol misuse, that there might be population-level strategies, something that we can do to prevent that, both in that individual patient and then in larger populations as well. I became fascinated with that and went back to public health school and then started work and started as the deputy commissioner and then became the commissioner of the Department of Health for almost 14 years and had the opportunity to look at those issues that were making people sick and mm -hmm. then thinking about what could we do, whether it was a program, whether it was public education, whether it was supporting physicians in all over the state of Vermont, or if it was in policies. And policies aren't always a law or an act of Congress. Sometimes mm -hmm. they're just deliberate decisions about how you spend your resources, how you focus your attention, and how you shine a light on issues such that people will say, oh, maybe there's something that I can do to contribute to the solution. That's, you know, um, Advocacy can be sometimes a slow process, right? Yes. yes. And so in these moments where um, you find yourself chugging along, what has motivated you to keep pushing? I, I think you look at that. You look at the outcome. To me, what has been extreme, it's very, very satisfying to help someone sitting in an office or in the, or in the hospital and helping them either recover from the reason they came for the visit. It, in, incredibly satisfying. It's also satisfying to be able to see that with, not by yourself, but using available evidence, usually with a coalition and, and working in partnerships and collaboration with groups of people and organizations, sometimes very important, educating the public, educating policymakers, that sometimes you can do something that will help hundreds or thousands of people. And that's the opportunity. An example of that, a couple examples of that might be uh, when you, when Vermont a long time ago took steps to expand the Medicaid program such that every child in the state of Vermont was eligible for health insurance. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Mm -hmm. That was huge. Yeah. It was a long time ago now. And we, some of these things you take for granted, but it's huge. And our, our uninsured rate compared to the national rate, um, our under 18 rate is, is virtually 100%. And then we have, uh, a lower uninsured rate for the population uh, 18 to 64 before people are eligible for Medicare. And, and some of those have been deliberate strategies. Another example I would give is at one point, youth smoking rates were very, very high. And there were a whole group of or health organizations, the Department of Health physicians from all over the state, mm -hmm. advocating for some of the things that would protect young people and prevent them from starting to smoke. And that was everything from raising the price to um, laws and, and programs to educate them as well. So when you, when all said and done, you see those results, and sometimes those are population results, you know, you know that those are hundreds, sometimes thousands of people who will never have tobacco-related illnesses, or now mm. there's all these many people who can now actually have a means to get health care because people who don't have health insurance are much less likely to, 50% less likely, to have a regular source of care. So it's very gratifying. It's just looking at, it's looking at those individual patients from a different perspective. Wow. I mean, that's just really inspiring to hear about how that kind of work can have such a ripple effect in our in our community. And uh, with someone such as yourself who has such a, a successful career in advocacy, we just have to ask, 
like what's what's next up? What are some of the things that you're looking to uh, tackle next with uh, this kind of model? I I really want to. I'm I love being involved in our chapter, and so right now, and and one one of the things I'd really like to do, and working with our governor, Dr. Alan Rapp, is to reinvigorate our health and public policy committee here at our chapter level. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking for volunteers, <laughs> and, and we want any anybody all over the state, and students and residents are welcome, and we can figure out how we can do what are some of the the lofty goals at the national level. Mm -hmm. What can we do about that here? And there's a lot of it depends what it is, but there's strategies. Sometimes we work with other professional organizations. You get a group of professional organizations, and not for profit organizations interested in in health, like. I do a lot of work with the American Heart Association of Vermont, or the mm -hmm. Lung Association of Vermont. We work with the Vermont Medical Society. We work with the Department of Health, things like that. So mm -hmm. I'd really love to have some volunteers on that committee. Um, I've been, I've had the uh, great pleasure to participate in the Patient Partnership in Healthcare and be Vice Chair of the Health and Public Policy Committee nationally for ACP. Mm -hmm. I'm currently on the Credentials Committee, but I very much want to be as involved as I possibly can um, because sort of the the evidence-based approach on these large national issues and some of the big problems is everything from health care to preventing firearm violence and figuring out practical ways to address social determinants of health when physicians are already buried in paperwork yeah. and sometimes electronic paperwork is, is how do we do that so any opportunities to also be involved at the national level I would absolutely welcome Duly noted. I think um, you know a recurring theme that I've seen in our medical studies is that the need for more advocates and more um, clinicians in public health policy uh, making has been um, has been downtrending, or the I guess the supply has been downtrending, and the need is at an all time high. Um, what barriers do you think are preventing clinicians from stepping forward and joining this movement? Time, mm -hmm. I think time, and then then. What are, and, and knowing sort of what are easily accessible ways that you can, practical ways that you can be involved. And so uh, in internal medicine, it would be make sure you're a member of our ACP chapter. You know, that, that's the first thought. And then I'll, then I'll probably contact you and ask you to join our committee <laughs> and ask what you're interested in mm -hmm. and, and what, you know, in ways, little or big, how do you want to contribute? Um, I think I think that's one easy way. I also would make the point as I spend a lot of time doing this as as most of my work, but you can what I think we really need is to integrate sort of this perspective, this advocacy perspective and policy perspective, and how do we look at that population level and think about that in our day to day work. And, and then be in touch with, with your professional societies or organizations that are looking at that for on a state or, or national level. Uh, I think we need to in integrate that into our medical student education. Mm -hmm. I think we mm -hmm. need to do that in our residency education and have more opportunities. Our medical students can be ACP members for free. And if they just go on the website for ACP, they can see all the very large and important areas that ACP is advocating for to make health outcomes better for patients, for the public, and also the profession, so that, that we are all involved in our careers and love them and help patients and the public 
for decades, you know, yeah. as, as part of our work. And it's not an either-or to me. You can, mm -hmm. there are ways that we can integrate that. Well, you uh, actually just kind of touched on this uh, a bit, but we just wanted to um, kind of hear your perspective, especially as you, um, as long as you've been involved in ACP, how, how is that in particular, that kind of chapter involvement and ACP as a, a nationally spanning organization um, really been a, a vehicle for uh, like your own advocacy efforts and then its role maybe even in, in the overall physician advocacy community in this country? I, I really, I think that ACP as an organization does promotes the highest clinical and ethical and professional standards and I um, respect and admire that and I'm glad to be uh, active in that organization. Mm -hmm. The other thing I think they do extraordinarily well is get evidence-based the evidence base or fund of knowledge on these various issues. And they publish the position papers of mm -hmm. the membership. They go through a deliberative process and publish them in the annals. So you will see the college's position and recommendations on climate change, preventing firearm violence, uh, addressing social determinants of health, strengthening the Affordable Care Act, and improving access to health care for everyone in our country. So those are they're huge, and mm -hmm. they're really, really important. Uh, and I think it's that, that approach of it's evidence-based. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing that we are taught in medicine day in, day out, and that we try to, through our lifelong learning, continue to learn about. Um, and the other thing that the ACP does extremely well is they collaborate with other organizations. Yeah. Because when something, if you're trying to change an act of Congress, it's literally an act of Congress, <laughs> right. and there's a lot of people and a lot of different interests there, and the more that that uh, physicians and as our professional societies can get together and, and really speak out for what is best for patients, mm -hmm. uh, that's how you move things. Yeah. One thing, actually, I, I would be remiss if I uh, didn't mention um, that uh, about Dr. Carney is that she was... Uh, just uh, selected to be a master in the uh, the American College of Physicians, which is a very prestigious role. Uh, it really is a testament to the, the dedication she has had to um, serving the ACP and her involvement. So we just wanted to say congratulations, Dr. Carney, on that. Thank Absolutely. You. Yeah. We'd Thank also you. ask anyone listening right now to go ahead and clap their hands. Yes. Uh, unless you are driving, of course. In which yeah. case, you should obey the law. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And one thing I, I just... I actually have a little bit of experience myself in um, uh, getting involved with advocacy through uh, ACP as I was, um, I attended uh, ACP Leadership Day in uh, May of this year, May of 2019. Uh, and this is really an event that is just all about, you know, especially for kind of a novice like myself, um, where do you get started in um, trying to become an advocate for your patients? and? Really, one amazing thing that the ACP does is give uh, anyone from the student up to the you know fellow uh, or uh, member uh, physician level um, opportunities to get uh, in kind of direct lines of communication with uh, people in in their in their government. And this actually was uh, right at the level of the federal government. So I spent uh, one day kind of getting um, a great educational um, series on. Uh, approaches and advocacy about identifying the issues that are most important to your 
um, representatives and senators and um, how that you can really us again from the student all the way up to the, the attending physician level can kind of lend our, our stories kind of make these issues real for the people who are ultimately signing some of the acts of Congress that that make changes in our country um, and after kind of a, a, a day of that education I was sent out to meet with um, really the offices of um, all three of our um, Vermont congressmen and uh, met with their staff experts on health uh, on health care uh, and was just really kind of overjoyed to kind of establish this line of communication with them and hear how receptive they were to hearing our perspectives, my perspective, because that is really what they rely on when they're making some of these decisions is how, um, and I'm sure Dr. Carney, you can, you know, you've had plenty of experience with this going kind of between your medical role and then into the, into the, the world of legislate, legislature. Um, but it was really just a, um, a really inspiring experience to kind of be a part of pushing, you know, some legislature forward. And we talked about um, more research into gun violence, into um, increasing residency spots and helping medical students with loan forgiveness and uh, a lot of other issues that maybe I can advocate for when I'm a little further in my career. But uh, it was just really, it was really great. And actually, I don't, I forgot to ask you, Dr. Carney, if you'd ever been to ACP Leadership Day yourself, and if there's anything you wanted to share from those experiences. I, I think you said it extremely well. Yeah. I thought it was wonderful, and it's a great opportunity. And you actually get to talk with people who may be making those decisions, and, mm -hmm. and they do really need us to talk with them and, and hear what it's like out in the, you know, out in the field. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's a. I actually do have to ask. Um, I guess this question was would be applicable to you too, Dylan. Okay. Um, but you know, from what you've learned in on the leadership day, and for Dr. Carney, what you've learned in your your career um, as an advocate, um, and in the context of recent editorials that have thrown into question whether public health and social determinants have a role in medical education, um, what do you think needs to change? In terms of our training? I think we need to, it's not an either or. Mm -hmm. It's not you learn social determinants instead of clinical medicine. It's you learn these things in the context for the health of the patient you're going to see in front of you and the population. And some of those population changes that, that I talked about, you know, social determinants of health, you know, whether people have transportation or housing or or education beyond high school, or a job, a consistent job, mm -hmm. very, very important to their overall health and, and what they have to do day to day, and whether they can afford health insurance in many cases, mm -hmm. we had that. I think we need to figure out creative ways, and our educators, I have confidence, full confidence that we can do this to integrate these into the parts of our curriculum that we teach. So it's not at the expense of, it's a context for, and, and, and in addition to, and I think that's absolutely foundational because all the different kinds of problems we see. You know, if you didn't look at the population perspective, you might just see patient after patient with type 2 diabetes who is more people who are overweight or obese in your practice. If you look at, at a population level, you realize it's really epidemic. Mm -hmm. And so how do you have to, you have to, to understand that and then 
You might have to be working with schools or other things in your community to make sure that the patients have access to places to be active and nutrition, mm-hmm. uh, appropriate nutrition. So I think it's a it's something we must do. And the issues change over time, you know, and, and how can we – and the public re- relies on the, the training, the expertise, and the credibility of physicians in our society. And so I think we have to be – prepared. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Dr. Carney. And thank you for sharing that your, your insight into that. Uh, so switching gears in our podcast a little bit, we've talked extensively about how advocacy works in mm-hmm. Vermont. Mm-hmm. And granted, Dylan and my perspectives are a little bit biased because our medical training occurs in the state of Vermont. But mm-hmm. since you've had the privilege of working with other ACP chapters, I'd like to ask you, what is your impression of how advocacy works in Vermont compared to other states? How are we different? I think it works great here, and I think it's very personal. And I think that in Vermont, a single physician can have a strong voice, be passionate about something that they see right in front of them, either with a patient in their office or in the community, talk to people, and make progress on that issue. Mm -hmm. I think that we have... There's something I don't, we have those opportunities. We can collaborate with other organizations. We can talk to our leaders. We can do something about things that are really bothering us. I'm not sure it's that easy in other states. Is it because of our size or attitudes or that we just, um, it's a mindset that we have here, but I see it, I've seen it over and over and over again. It's that if you think there's something more can be done for your patient, and health of your community, let's do something about it and being confident that we can. Yeah. And just to, to build off that a bit, um, and this can kind of speak to your your role as having served as the Commissioner of Health and now, um, you know, our current uh, Commissioner of Health, Dr. Mark Levine, you know, he was at our ACP chapter meeting just uh, last week. Um, and I guess, you know, how would you characterize, like, our chapter's relationship with the, the state health department? Uh, and, like, does that, does that relationship really give us, like, a, a leading edge in how we can advocate for our patients? Yeah, I think we have a very strong and collaborative relationship. Uh, the person leading the health department is, is usually a physician with public health training or experience. And, and then the health department works well with physicians all over the state and with the other professional organizations. And the health department in Vermont has a real good sense of the health of the overall state because in Vermont we don't have autonomous county or local health departments. Mm -hmm. So that I do think it's easier to discuss priorities and where those priorities intersect that that now you have uh, many more people working on that. I think our policymakers, and, and, and I should say a word about politics in the sense of sometimes it gets kind of a negative connotation, but in I think that some of the opportunities we have here are when you elect your senators and representatives or people who live in your in your town yeah. and in, sometimes in your neighborhood and you get to know them and you talk to them and they want to hear your perspective. And that's a really healthy kind of legislative approach. And I will tell you of I've had many, many positive relationships with many, many different senators and representatives over the years, um, the different organizations I volunteer for, 
and you work collaboratively. And I, I, I think that is, um, that's a great thing. And, mm -hmm. and that's ultimately how you do thing, make things better for the health of the people in your state. Yeah. It's actually just, it's encouraging for me to hear that it's, that the whole state is well represented because I guess in just speaking from my, you know, experience of having lived, you know, only in Chittenden County, uh, you know, you can imagine that uh, being the like the most populous county in the state that, you know, there might be a chance for overrepresentation, but it's really important that uh, because there are differences amongst the different counties in Vermont and that just to, it's heartening to hear that all um, different walks of life are, are, are well represented in our, in our health department. I think that's essential. And there's a perception that Vermont is, is similar all over. It's very different. Yeah. And, the, mm -hmm. and the health issues are different and the communities are expert for, for a lot of what they need. We're focusing here in, in my work here at the medical school mm -hmm with the Northern New England Clinical Translational Research mm -hmm. Grant, and we work, do a lot of work with Maine. And I do a lot of work on the, on the rural side. And we have a mm -hmm. rural core that is looking at some of those health outcome differences in the rural areas of our state and working with uh, healthcare practices, community organizations, to see what we can do to understand those and, and, and make health better uh, for patients and, and the communities there. And um, we do have to do that all yeah. in the state. And the rural challenges, I don't want to underestimate those And because our, our uh, supply of primary care physicians tends to be more fragile. Mm -hmm. uh, people have transportation or access issues. Uh, sometimes it's harder to exercise or for people to be physically active. Lots of differences, and it, it, it varies depending where we are. But that's one thing we're particularly paying attention to and when you do some of the policy and advocacy, you do have to you have to remember the differences and work with the people who are who are either living there or, or represent those communities. Right. And and I think and again I am um, I'm always very optimistic that we have the mindset to do that here. Mm -hmm. okay. Related to that, I I wonder because we serve such a diverse population um, that there there must also be a need for a diverse diverse supply of public health advocates. Yeah. Do you find it more difficult or less difficult to recruit advocates from rural areas in our state compared to urban areas? It, de it depends what issue you're talking about. And we have some some of the organizations working with. There's a bi-state primary care organization that does Vermont and New Hampshire. You might work with professional societies. Um, and you, you, it depends on the health issue. You have to, mm -hmm. if you're working with the hospitals, you have to look beyond Chittenden County. Mm -hmm. There's an association of hospitals and health systems. So I think the point is to just be inclusive and mindful that we do our health challenges may be different here than they are in, in other parts of Vermont. And I think our, the people who represent us in the legislature uh, are very cognizant mm -hmm. of that. And, I think that's something we need to pay attention to. The health department has a ton of data in that regard, and I think that will help us. Okay. Now, uh, I know there are countless residents and fellows and medical students listening to this right now or on the edge of their seats just wondering and thinking to themselves, but Dr. Carney, you've spoken so much about how clinicians need to be involved and clinicians can get involved. Um, what are the opportunities available for us? Can you speak to that? Uh, lots, of lots of opportunities. I would say 
I would reiterate, if you're a medical student or resident, mm -hmm. and if you're not yet a member of the ACT, please join. It's free. Uh, it's free. It's free. And I think that there are so many resources. Just take a look on the website. There's a ton of resources. You can look at their position papers, where they stand as an organization on different issues. You can look for the background material, clinical education material. There's just there the the quality and the evidence base for that is just great. So I would say there's that. That would be a first step. Mm -hmm. Then say okay. Now, if you want to do a little more, you want to get, come to the chapter meeting, and it's a great chapter meeting. And then uh, email the governor, Dr. Alan Rep, if you're interested in policy. Send me an email and get involved in one of the chapter committees. They'd love to have you. And then, if you want to get involved, and and you want to get involved in even more things, then look for opportunities to be involved at ACP nationally. But but there's. And, and I, I, the other, other thing I would add is, is sometimes people are passionate about different issues. I've worked with physicians over the years who are passionate about preventing suicide. Mm. There's a need for that. They're passionate for physicians who want to have more community recreation. Yep, you can do that too. Uh, insure, finding transportation in the community. Yes, please. Housing, uh, free clinics just the range of things. So if there's something you're passionate about and there is a need in the community, by all means, get involved. Okay. I imagine, um, you know, just thinking of how I would react if I were, um, well, I am a medical student, but if I were, <laughs> if I were not involved with ACP and listening to this podcast, um, and so unlucky to be not part of ACP, but yet, uh, I might wonder to myself, you know, I am passionate about these issues, but I don't know if I have the experience, I don't know if I have the skills that I can bring to the table that would be useful. What would you say to that person? I'd say that um, you just have to do it. You have to try it. You have to pick an issue. You have to look for an opportunity. Ask people that you're working with it, within the chapter if we're going to be involved with other organizations and advocating for something in the legislature. Now, last year, let me give you an example where of an issue that intersected healthcare and public health. It was mm -hmm. the Tobacco 21. Mm -hmm. This whole, you know, and, and e-cigarettes. And mm -hmm. now we know from all the respiratory illnesses, and we still don't know as of today, right. we don't know the cause. Huge issue. Huge issue in adolescents and young people, and that nicotine addiction is not a good thing, and then can also lead to an increased risk of conventional tobacco mm. use. Right, and we're we're not quite sure what other potential health risks are yet. Well, advocacy groups got together, and the legislature raised the the raised the age of tobacco sales to, mm. to twenty one. What that will do, and there's an evidence base behind this to reduce the number of young people who are using tobacco products, and will avoid all tobacco related diseases if they're not. Mm. So it's prevention. They also raised the tax and the price of e-cigarettes and banned the internet sales. So mm -hmm. those are huge mm -hmm. public policy initiatives. Mm -hmm. And and through ACP, through other health conscious organizations, and there are a lot of them, um, those are the kinds of things that people get involved in. And what can you do? You can testify in front of our legislature. And you represent an organization. You can go and testify about the science about something. 
And the first time you do it, you say, well, I don't know, but it's, but you just, you do it once and our uh, legislators ask questions, our committee, they're respectful, they're thoughtful, they value the testimony of people who take the time to do that. And, and I think that our medical students here, physicians in Vermont, are very, very well respected. So, try it. Yeah, and one additional thing I can add is that uh, just using the resources of an organization like ACP is there's uh, if there's areas that you feel like you don't have a whole lot of information on, well, there's probably people in our organization that have compiled some. And there's, there's uh, especially what's nice about kind of our size chapter, it's very easy to get access to some of the people who are really leading the way on these issues. Um, and so it's, and they would love, anyone I think would love to get extra, have an extra voice lend it to their cause. So um, even if, you know, that, that's how I felt going to that leadership day. It was, I didn't really, uh, I, I was able to be, to learn all of these, all this information that I made myself a much more powerful advocate just in, you know, again, one day of um, kind of talking through a lot of these issues um, with people from ACP who were, you know, really already experts in that. And so having that behind my, um, under my belt, I felt like I could, you know, go into these meetings. And, and that is you know, not unique, not unique to me. That can really happen for anyone who's interested in, in um, getting involved. ACP is really an incredible community. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Well, for those of you listening, thank you so much. Um, just to let you know, the offer is still on the table. If you'd like to join the Health and Public Policy Committee, uh, you can reach Dr. Carney at jan.carney at med.uvm.edu. Is that correct? Okay. Dr. Carney, thank you so much for being here with us. You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Well, and we'll give a quick shout-out to our poster winners, um, four of you who, lucky the lucky four, and you know who you are. Um, who just Deserving, won. deserving yeah. lucky four. Who were selected at the ACP meeting. Um, we'll see you at Nationals. For the rest of you listeners, you can follow our other episodes upcoming on to be released on Twitter and Podbean. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll also have some campaigns out there to talk about ways you can get involved in the chapter. Until next time. That's it for today on Green Mountain Medicine. I'm Matt Sai. And I'm Dylan Conduction. And thanks for tuning in. If you found our discussion enjoyable, please don't forget to follow us on Twitter at ACP underscore Vermont for more podcast updates.